Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. I want to begin this week by saying thank you for your support. The download figures are amazing. I'm humbled and most grateful. If you're on the Camino right now, tell someone about the podcast. If you know someone who's thinking of doing a Camino, tell them about the podcast. And if you know someone who has walked before and perhaps they're hoping to rekindle their Camino flame, tell them about the podcast. We can continue to grow and to share our journey together. The Camino is a series of walks across Europe, culminating at the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela. You are a pilgrim on the Camino. You'll meet people from all over the world, from places you've never been, and those people will remain friends for life. The Camino is widely regarded as a spiritual journey. It's often said the Camino won't give you what you want, but it will give you what you need. And we're also told the Camino provides. I was in a cafe in the small town of Hontanas, and the cafe owners painted slogans along the rungs of the benches. I still have the photo in my phone. One of them says, listen to your heart and it will show you the way. Camino de Santiago translates as the way of St. James. So, listen to your heart and it will show you the way. Your way. It's a fiercely personal journey, even as you inevitably find yourself walking with some of the people you meet, those people from all over the world. It's your journey. And even though you walk internally, you reach out. And you'll find when you return, you seek out other pilgrims. You'll try to find them in your town, your state or territory, on social media, on Camino forums. And you'll continue to research, to learn and to grow. Well, this week's podcast is extra special. I have four guests, two of whom are two of my favourite Camino people. Margaret Caffin wrote a book on the Camino on her return from Spain in 2017. It's called Walking Back Home, Finding Clarity on the Camino. Margaret was my guest in week 21. Maggie will tell you she was no walker, she was no fitness guru, but she'd agree she wasn't particularly inspired, but she stepped outside of a comfort zone and her life has changed immeasurably. Listen to your heart and it will show you the way. Now, Maggie's currently on the Camino. She's in the small town of Trabadello as you leave Villafranca del Bavio on the climb to Osobrero. Maggie's at Casa Susie, an albergue run by another of my favourite Camino people, Sue Stevenson. Susie packed up her life in Australia and moved to Spain to run an albergue for pilgrims. Hers is an amazing story. Listen to your heart and it will show you the way. They're on the line with two Spanish men, Fermin and Gonzalo. We'll get to them later in the podcast. But first, let's start with Maggie and Susie. Welcome, pilgrims. Hello. Furman and Gonzalo are there as well, and I'm going to get to you, gentlemen, a little bit later. But this is our worlds all colliding here, right? This Story. is, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to start with you, Maggie. You've just finished, we think, your seventh Camino. Mm-hmm. What is the attraction? I can't stay away. I love it here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just love walking. 
but he, he, let me just explain something to you. I'm going to read you something. When we spoke about your Camino, about your book, rather, Walking Back Home, Finding Clarity on the Camino, in week 21, we talked about the fact you'd, you'd been a carer for cancer sufferers, a mum, someone who had never imagined this life ahead, this pilgrim's life. But I wanted to read to you a message you sent to me this week, right? You said, Dan, I so love Santiago. I'm chilling in a cafe with Wi-Fi, patatas bravas and garlic aioli and a cheeky little Clara with lemon. It's a pleasant 23 degrees and sunny, harp playing in the background, just planning a trip to Sintra in Portugal maybe. Hello. <laughs> that's, that's some transformation, isn't it? It sure is. This is a life. And it's because you chose the pilgrim's life, right? Correct, Yeah. Well, so we how do you make... want to be sitting there in that cafe? Yeah, precisely. But how do you make sense of it all now? What do you mean? Well, what do you make of it all yourself? You, it's a quite an incredible transformation. Oh, it uh, is. Your, your life has done a complete and utter backflip. <laughs> if you'd have told me five years ago I'd be doing this, I wouldn't believe you. That's right. Um, yeah, my life has totally changed. I've just taken a group with me on the Portuguese Camino. Uh, how many people? Mm, there was eight of us. Yeah. So I've, I've never imagined I'd do something like that either. So what do you put it down to? Where did you get this new energy? <laughs> I don't know. The Camino provides, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess it does. But, but you and I talked about the energy of the Camino back in week 21. Oh, yeah. Certainly, there must have been some contributing factor there. Yes. Every time I come, I seem to have some sort of experience like that, yeah. So tell us about the Portuguese. Mm. Um, I did the central one earlier this year and didn't really enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of road walking, so I don't enjoy that. And then this time I did the coastal, and that was stunning. Really loved it. And the ladies that I took with me had never hiked or walked before, and they all loved it too. It was really good, and none of us had any blisters. Well, that's a start. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Susie, let's go to you. You were a very successful businesswoman in Sydney, a florist. I was. And now you're, now you're living in Casa Susie, in Trabadello, on the Camino de Santiago. Tell us about your Camino adventure. Well, once it began, it was just a, like a snowball gaining momentum until I got here, I think. It went from one Camino to the next until I realised the only place I was really content and happy and very peaceful, was back on the Camino. And so how many years did you walk before you ended up staying and living there? Um, I started the Caminos in 2012, and I did 10 by 2015, <laughs> which is when I realised I had to sell my flower shop and probably move here permanently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so then... Tell us about the process of actually establishing Casa Susie because it's a great story. You really sought, didn't you? You looked for a long time to find the right place. 20 months it took me to find this home 
Um, so, yes, I had done a lot of walking on various Camino paths in case it wasn't just the Francais Camino that attracted me. It could have been in France or in Portugal or somewhere else in Spain. But I did always come back here. And um, I was looking for a village that needed an Alberg, uh, which was difficult because villages that needed Albergs, when I started to look, didn't by the time I had the funds to purchase. So when I stopped looking for a village that needed me and started looking for a home, um, I found this very quickly. Yeah, and and what about the local community? How did they react to to this British-born Australian woman? Well, as I don't speak Spanish, I didn't understand when they were probably telling me to leave the village. <laughs> I kept smiling <laughs> at them, and uh, and in the end, it must have been frustrating for them. But um, the smile must have won because eventually they have seemed to embrace me into their community and into their heart. And, in fact, I walked to the pharmacy the other day and there was eight different people in the street, all locals, and everybody greeted me and I greeted them. And, um, yeah, I think that's really special now. That is very special. Yes. But you are somebody who has decided to give back in a way. Um, And... So tell us about the alberg itself. You, how many beds do you have? How how, often you, how long do you run? What seasons do you run? So um, I decided to make the alberg here everything I wanted in an alberg when I arrived as a pilgrim. So I've done exactly that. Um, only 12 beds and they're only single beds. There's no bunks, which is very important on the Camino. And two bathrooms, um, open plan bathrooms, so... You've got your own shower, sink and toilet in each so you can close yourself in. There's a relax area. Um, And it seems that the main draw card for us now is um, our communal meal. So I do a meal, a home-cooked dinner every night. Most of it's coming from the garden um, because we have quite a big veggie pack. And we all sit around the table sharing um, our stories of the Camino or stories of life or whatever they want to share with us uh, we sit and listen. We seem to be permanent counsellors, therapists, uh, doctors and nurses for the uh, tour guides, uh, booking taxis, booking accommodation, moving shipping bags, a few hospital visits here and there. Um, but we love it. And the reward is uh, not a monetary reward. It's an internal reward. So we, as much as we give, we receive. Yeah, and the pictures of those communal meals are fantastic. People from all over the world, and and you can see in their faces that they have found somewhere they will cherish as a very special place on their Camino. And it must be nice for you to think that you've played a little part in making something special for somebody. Yeah, it, it's when I we've got a guest book and people write in the guest book and they say very often in many languages um it felt like coming home um so then i know i've achieved everything i planned to achieve and i think that's really special we've got a lot of people come back a lot of return visitors and um a lot of people that keep in touch with us that invited us to their homes to be part of their families in their countries Uh, i think we've had 10 nationalities at dinner one night so with 14 people 10 nationalities cooking for all those people and 
everybody enjoying a meal that's, I mean, not typically Spanish, it's just typically a family meal, uh, brings great joy to us. Yeah. Well, I can vouch for Casa Susie because I spent a night there and it is a magic place. It's a really wonderful place. Oh, I'll be coming back. Don't worry about that. (laughs) But you you say we. You talk about we. Now, (laughs) that's because there, and I said that there were two other very special guests in the background today who I want to introduce you to. And that's because Ferriman is with you. And he is guest 32. Ferriman, hello. Hold on, my friend. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well. Now, I've got to tell this story because you explained to uh, Bill Bennett, the award-winning Australian filmmaker, and I, that you were named after the town for a min, right? So, uh, I come from Pamplona, and uh, well-known for Australians for the running of the bulls. And a long time ago, my father ran the running of the bulls. He loved to run. And uh, that year, he was really hurt by the horn of the bull. So um, what happened is that, uh, well, he survived. Thanks God. If not, I was not here. And then uh, next year, he wanted to run again. So my mother took him out of the city and he, they went to the Pyrenees, to the mountains, because if not, my father was going to run again. Uh, obviously, the, the, the party of the running of the bulls is called San Fermín. So when they were in the mountains, uh, I suppose they were really cold because, <laughs> 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 because nine months later, uh, I was born. So my name is Fermin just because of that. <laughs> uh, now that's a great story. Yeah, but my I mother love, asked I love... me when I was five years old, please promise me don't run. And I said, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you told Bill Bennett and, and me that story, Bill said, oh, yeah, that's why our second child is called Datsun 120Y. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, isn't that funny? Now, Fermin, I keep seeing these pictures and I of you in the straw hat and all this wonderful <laughs> fruit and, and vegetables um, because you've really got quite a concern, quite a, a, a market garden there now, haven't you, that you provide this fresh, fresh produce for the meals. So, Dan, first... Uh, Let's put this in the co- in the context, okay? I was an architect and uh, dressed in a suit for the last 20 years, uh, li- living in an asphalt and in front of a computer. And from one day to another, I, I'm full of mud, <laughs> living in a garden, and uh, that's why someone that I've got close to me called me Bogan. <laughs> Somebody called you a bogan. Uh, yeah. So Camino provided and changed my life, as you can see. <laughs> and that that is a wonderful, wonderful story, my friend. And and Susie calls Fermin number thirty-two. No, number thirty. You, number thirty. Oh, number thirty. Thirty-two was. <laughs> oh, well, I bet you don't. I'll bet you don't. Number thirty, because Fermin was the thirtieth 
guest to walk through the doors of Casa Susie, and he remains there today. Hey, Maggie, let's go back to you. Yeah? I went through my notes from my last interview with you, and I have written that in the book you said you were an ordinary woman. Yeah. Do you do you feel ordinary now? I don't feel special. <laughs> um, people tell me I'm not ordinary, but I feel okay. I feel normal. But normal's not normal's not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because that's not ordinary. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, my kids are used to it. They just sort of they say to everybody, "Here she goes again." Um, I love adventure. I just want to go and explore things. What about you, Susie? Are you an ordinary woman? No. (laughs) I'm special. (laughs) Yeah, but you you open your house to people every day, and they're strangers. So tell us about that philosophy. Why? It's really easy to give on the Camino and to give a little haven uh, to the pilgrims makes it so easy. Uh, yeah, we have people in this in our home 20 hours a day. So for, only for four hours a day do we have peacefulness and don't have to worry about other people being here. And that's actually when we're cleaning or doing the gardening or picking the vegetables or running to do the shopping or catching up on chores. So, but... It's such a joy when that first one comes through the door uh, with a smile on their face, hopefully. And if they don't start with a smile on the face, they certainly leave with one after they've uh, hydrated their cells and had a shower and found their bed um, and realised actually it's a home away from home. Yeah. And interesting you should say that because my next question is this, and I'm going to ask you both a very personal question because you are both mothers, and Maggie, you just said that you took a group of pilgrims through Portugal. Mm-hmm. And Susie, you're cooking for people and taking perhaps, as you just said, a frown, turning it around, making it a smile over the course of people staying with you. So let me ask you, Maggie, how does being a mother manifest itself in pilgrimage for you? It's a really hard question. Uh- I don't know how to answer that. You go, Susie. What do you think? I think as a mother, we're natural givers. And that's what we, and I, and I can tell you, Maggie's also special. She's nothing but ordinary, um, having now met her. Um, I think that we as mothers are givers and there's a selflessness about us. And I think that comes through on what we do on the Camino. Without trying to be, it's just who we are. Um, I'm a nurturer. Uh, one of my traits is to nurture, and I like that. I love to see people blossom under my care. So, I mean, sometimes it says to me, I give too much, but um, you can never give too much. <laughs> yeah, see, Maggie, you, you, I think you play yourself down a little bit. I think that yeah. you are very caring and giving and sharing, and, and that is a mother's sense in a way, isn't well, it? Well, it's just a natural thing for a woman to do, isn't it, to be a nurturer? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, so let me ask you this then. Both of you really have bitten off probably more than you can chew and now you're chewing <laughs> like like crazy, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Susie, so, Susie, where did you find the courage? Uh, I don't think too much before I act. If I sat and think about what I'd done, uh, moving from Australia to Spain on my own, no language skills, didn't know much about renovations either. Um, if I thought about it, I probably wouldn't have done it. And if everybody that said put an obstacle in my way, um, I'd listen to, I still I wouldn't be here today. So when I made the decision, uh, I was on the North Camino actually and I put my flower shop on the market. I just put it on um, Gumtree. And somebody said they were interested. So I pretty much had sold it while I was walking the Camino. And that was it. It was just the momentum then. It's like, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. So no fear. Uh, and it could only bring great joy. And uh, what was the worst that could happen? The worst thing is that I'd bought a house and it wasn't going to work. I mean, the worst thing, I'd had to come back to Australia. Well, that wouldn't have been so bad, but I'm really happy I'm here and it's successful. There, there's an energy in that house. Yes, there's an energy at Casa yeah. Susie, isn't there? There is, very much yeah. so. Lots of yeah, people and, feel it. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, something, there's something happening in that house. There's, something, there's an energy there. It's electric. It's fantastic. But we don't know what's ahead of us. And I suppose that's why Maggie, I was asking, you know, where have you found the courage? Because you've kind of said, well, look, I'm just going to go and do all of these things that I want to do. Uh, and in your book, you say you were afraid of judgment. People thought yeah. you were mad doing the Camino. Yeah. Indeed, on the walk itself, there were times when you were haunted by self-doubt. Has the whole experience freed you up in terms of self-doubt, Your this whole pilgrim's journey? Yeah, definitely. But um, I love a challenge, so I, um, I, I like not knowing what's coming next. I have this the rest of this month free in Spain and I'm just now planning this morning what to do. I haven't got anything organised. I just let things unfold and I love that, the uncertainty of, of it all. It's exciting. Um, and so, yeah, go on. I'm just going to say I think I'm an adventurer. <laughs> I think there's no question you're an adventurer. Yeah. And you know something? Being an adventurer means that you're kind of brave. I don't look at myself as being brave. Um, I, I She's very humble, this one, Dan. She is very humble. I think you're very brave. Oh, well, thank Be you. Because you bit off more than you can chew and chewed like crazy. <laughs> but I think in, in my life I've always done this. I jump in and then swim. I don't think about what I'm going to do, much like Susie. I didn't think about it. I just do it. Okay, so that works perfectly into my next question then, Maggie. Mm -hmm. If I'm listening to this and I'm wondering how, oh, you know, I, couldn't, I could never do the Camino. I love listening to Dan's podcasts, but I could never do the Camino. You know, I'm, I'm not a walker. I'm, I, I, would, I don't want to, you know, I couldn't step outside my comfort zone. How might I access that inner strength? How might I go about that? Oh, I think that's a personal thing, though. Um, I, yeah, I didn't think I could do it. If I can do it, anyone can. 
Uh, yeah, well, as you know, I was working in an office for 20 years first, and I just got up and went walking. You just got up and went walking? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good way to start. <laughs> so, no, no, I'm serious, because, Susie, what about if someone's listening... I'm not necessarily suggesting that they go and sell their business and move to Spain and open an albergue. <laughs> but, but, but how can they channel or tap into that inner strength to find the bravery to do something perhaps they don't think they can do? I don't know how to tell people to do it. It's just to begin and the first step is always the hardest and once you've made the first step which may be booking an airline ticket or buying a backpack or buying your boots once you've done that first step then it begins and i think you just have to do that <laughs> yeah yeah because and i've said here many times that the camino is a metaphor for life and so and this is you wrote this in your book maggie don't listen to negative people yeah, yeah, and it's the people that you meet when you're walking and when I've got lots of friends over here now and it's just really nice to come somewhere familiar and um, I, I do the walking and end up in Santiago and there's always someone I know coming into the square every day. I've caught up with lots of Aussies. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> Having that, in, indeed, I, I spoke uh, last week with a pilgrim who said uh, it was Terry Kay, the young Canadian pilgrim, and she said the Camino is like going home for her, and it's yeah. nice to know that it's that it's always there, that there is always a home to go to. And Susie, you you kind of become a bit of an observer because people come into your life and and you nurture them and care for them. What's it like sort of watching, no longer being a pilgrim yourself in a sense, but being an observer and watching those people come and go and watch their transformation? Uh, it's special because you hear the stories, you know, the difficulties from the beginning and how, you know, as they've climbed the first mountain, they've realised, okay, yes, I can do it. So we have, you know, people from being carried as babies up until our oldest pilgrim was 86. Uh, I wasn't a walker either. And so it is possible for everybody to do it. And so for me, the journey was about the people that were walking. And my fear was when I opened Cassis that I wouldn't have the same connection with the pilgrims. But you do. In one evening, you can get as much connection as you've done for a week of walking because everyone's so open on the Camino. Um, so it's it's wonderful to hear these people that have come with hardships that um, are getting to Santiago, and if we can help them along that way as well, it's even better for us. So we get amazing photos of people when they arrive there. Um, my girlfriend did it a couple of years ago, solo in a wheelchair from Osobrero, and she's back on the Camino path now. So through my inspiration to... To me, somebody in a wheelchair that's doing the Camino, I mean, they're an inspiration to me, not me an inspiration to them. But to think through me, I inspired her to do the Camino. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a great story. Mm. Yeah, that's a great story. You know, you just mentioned the, that taking care of people, encouraging people. I mentioned at the top of the, the interview there 
are four people at the end of the line today. We've spoken to Susie and Maggie and to Fermin. Gonzalo is there as well. Hello, Gonzalo. Hola. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm very well. Now, you're one of the fantastic people on the Camino de Santiago who provide taxi services for pilgrims. And you're a friend of Margaret's, and and any friend of Margaret's is a friend of mine and a friend of my listeners. So (laughs) tell us what you do. Tell us about the service you provide. Okay. um, First of all, taxi in Santiago is not like probably works in regular cities because we are on the Camino. So we do different stuff. Uh, We take care of pilgrims. We do tours on the coast. Uh, We help them with information, uh, take them to hospitals. In fact, I've I've been in doctor's office translating. Um, we We help more than just do services. And so, so how did your you've got very very good English? How did Thank you learn you. such good? How did you learn such good English? Well, uh, when I was a kid, I had the opportunity to go to the United States to finish my last three years of high school. And one day, I just woke up, I pinched myself, and I was in another country. And Where? that's why my English. Where were you in the United States? Uh, I live in Memphis, Tennessee. No. What did a Spanish boy make of Memphis, Tennessee? Uh, well, I don't know. I just woke up one day there. I had a cousin that was going to college. So my uncle talked to me. I could go live with him and I could go to high school, talk to my parents. And I was there. What a great story. Do you do a good Elvis Presley impersonation? Uh, no, I don't sing. I'm not a good singer. <laughs> I can move, I can dance, but I cannot sing. <laughs> so, so you are based in Santiago. Um, is it still busy? Are there still plenty of pilgrims around? Now, this is October the... I'm speaking to you October the 4th. Are there still plenty of pilgrims around in early October? Um, okay, uh, I've been working in the taxi for 10 years now. And I can tell you this last month, September, has been the busiest I can remember. And October so far is going the same way. Santiago is really, really busy right now. What, what do you make of the why, – why do you think that is? Is the Camino getting more popular or is it – what do you think that's – what okay, do you put it down um, to? The Camino – it gets more popular every year, and it increases in between a 3 and a 10% every year. But I think what, what happened this year is that we had a really bad spring weather-wise, and not many people did came actually in the spring. So um, the people that usually come in the spring, they, those people avoid the bonds of July and August. So those people, they came in September. So we're having the people that originally planned to come in September and the ones that didn't come in spring because of the weather. I think that's the reason why that we are so busy this year in September and October. And I think November we're going to have a lot of pilgrims too. I have people contact me to do service for them and they, there is a lot of people coming in October, even in November. 
That's really interesting, even in November, because traditionally it would be really starting to get much quieter then. Yes, usually November in Santiago is only local people and students from university. You don't get to see those many pilgrims. But I think this year is going to be different. What's the one thing I should do if I, when I get to Santiago? What must I do, a pilgrim? Uh, well, uh, as a pilgrim, uh, because I am a pilgrim, I, I'm not only a taxi driver, I'm a pilgrim myself. And the one thing you must do is go to the plaza in front of the cathedral and just stay there. Meet the people you walk with, just stay there and spend time, spend time in the plaza and it will be very special. You will see how people arrive, you'll see the smile on their faces, the glitter in their, in their eyes. It's really special to be in the square in front of the cathedral. I love talking to you, Gonzalo. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, we're, we're running out of time. This happens to me every week. I could talk to my guests just all night, but I won't end up running out of time. Fermin, I want to ask you, if I could, just one last question. How important is how important is the Camino to the Spanish people, not just in terms of the economy and, and lots of people, but I mean in the spirit, the Spanish culture and the heart and soul of the Spanish? Well, uh, I can tell you I've been living in the Camino all of my life because I lived in Pamplona and uh, yeah, my parents' home were just in the Camino. And... It's not a big culture about the Camino if you are not on the Camino. I mean, um, people realize the Camino exists if they are in the Camino. But if you go um, some kilometers away, uh, people... Obviously, everyone knows about the Camino, but they don't appreciate uh, what it is, you know, and actually, uh, not lots of Spanish people have done the Camino, and they don't understand what the Camino uh, really is. I mean, and I was one of those. So um, I, when I did the Camino, I went home, and my friends uh, asked me what was uh, that about because uh, they thought as I, as me that, that it was only hiking, and it's completely. Uh, a, a spiritual journey, or a, a, at least you can meet people from all over the world. So I'm, I, I can tell you that uh, in the last years, uh, there are more, pilgrim, more pilgrims and people start uh, realizing that, uh, that it's, it's something behind that. But uh, unfortunately, I think uh, they don't know very well what's going on here. Yeah. So, Gonzalo, what about you? What makes the Camino special? Let me just ask you that simple question. What makes the Camino special? Uh, okay. Uh, the Camino is supposed to be a hike. And hiking is something that you must do. You must walk. So, the most important thing is not, it's not about walking. It's about um, meeting people... Uh, finding new things, hearing stories uh, about other people's life, and that makes you actually feel better in your own life. Um, the Camino 
is about walking, but that's secondary. The most important is about sharing, giving, and receiving. Yeah, great answer. Great answer. Now, back to you, Maggie and Susie. You have both, in your own way, I think, found freedom. Definitely. And yeah, yeah. And, and I ask all my questions, all, all my guests, rather, over the last two years, if they are called back. Well, there's no point asking you to. One of you lives there. The other is back, the other is back there pretty much permanently. So I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. One word, okay? One word. What does the Camino mean to you? One word. Margaret Caffin? Uh, I would have said Freedom. Freedom. Susie Stevenson, one word. What does the Camino mean to you? Love. Well, I think you've both found a lot of that. (laughs) And I think my listeners will be just so grateful for the opportunity to not only listen to your story, Susie, your story, Maggie, but also yours, Gonzalo, and yours, of course, Fermin. You have all been very, very kind. It's been fantastic to talk to all of you. Congratulations on what you've all been able to achieve. Leapt outside of your comfort zones and now you look back and wonder, who is this person staring back at me? And that in itself is a wonderful, wonderful achievement. And if I may say so, I wish it were me in many respects. (laughs) So, and Dan, Dan, what's your word? Laughter. <laughs> okay. Laughter. Mm-hmm. I, I just love to sit with people and, and hear them laughing on the Camino. It's, it's yeah. a very special thing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say thank you very much for your time, pilgrims, all four of you. It's been just a wonderful chat. We've, uh, we've run out of time. We always do. So, Susie, thank you. Casa Susie is at Trabadella. You can find them on Facebook. Fermin, thank you, my brother. We will catch up soon. Thank you. Thanks, Maggie. I'll speak to you in Melbourne. Yes. You and I are having coffee in Melbourne in a few weeks' time. Yeah. And, Gonzala, thank you to you too, my friend. I look forward to catching up with you in Santiago one day soon. Thank you. I'm looking forward to meet you. Now, to all of you, thanks, Susie. To all of you, buen camino. Buen camino. My guests this week, Susie Stevenson, guest number 30, Fermin, Margaret Caffin, the Australian author, and the Santiago de Compostela taxi driver, Gonzalo. You can find Casa Susie at Trabadello, just outside Via Franco del Biedo. Casa Susie is on Facebook. And you can find Margaret Caffin's book, Walking Back Home, Finding Clarity on the Camino, at Margaret Caffin, C-A-F-F-Y-N, margaretcaffin.com.au. I wonder how much of what we do is dictated by the people we meet, the stories we hear, the stories we tell. Listen to your heart, and it will show you the way. I'm Dan Mullins, and I'll be back again next week to speak to another pilgrim about their journey, all of our journeys, on the Camino de Santiago. Until next week, buen camino. Buen camino.